Yes. Good morning. My name is Dean McQuillan. I am the Connections Pastor here at Walk, and it is good to have you all today. It is a privilege, honestly, to have the opportunity when Pastor Hyden is gone to step into the pulpit and bring my incredible church family his word this morning. I love you guys. You've changed my life over the last almost three years, and I'm so thankful for who you are in my life. And if you are here for the very first time, I can't wait to spend some time with you. Afterwards, I'm going to be at the front door. I got some goodies for all of you who are here for the very first time, and I just want to get to know your name and how you heard about our church, all right? Well, today we continue our series from the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, if you have your iPad, open it to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9 is an incredible passage of scripture for the theme of our series in Ephesians chapter 2. From death to life. I tell you, there's nothing greater than to celebrate life. I have two beautiful children that have grown into adults, and I'll never forget being there with my wife, Dorlisa, when they were both brought into this world. And that life that beautiful life that God had blessed us with, to be able to take not only from a child to an adult, but to take them literally from a sinner to a saint by introducing them to Jesus Christ. So this morning, as I talk to you about life, I have an example that I want to share with you because we all deal with it. Every one of us in this room deals with what I'm going to share with you this morning. But it all started years ago that reminded me who I really was. Anybody recognize this guy? This is Charlie Brown. My grandmother, who we lovingly called Gamar, was an artist. She was a China artist. She painted these beautiful rose settings on dishes and bowls and the whole entire set of a China set. Well. At the age of 10, maybe 11, she wanted to take me to her art shop and wanted to kick me off into her trade by painting my very first piece of ceramic. So this was the result of that. Believe me, with a lot of help from my gamar. Believe me. She helped a lot. And of all of the shelves that were in this art shop, this is the guy that I picked. I could have picked anything, but I picked Charlie Brown. Because at that age, I had this empathy for Charlie Brown. Because I watched all of his specials. I watched his Halloween special. I would watch his Thanksgiving special, his Christmas special. And the poor guy was just a loser. <laughs> I, I, I had empathy for the guy. He was a loser. I mean, look, his favorite, his his. He's known by this statement. Look what it says. He says, I think I'm afraid to be happy because whenever I get too happy, something bad always happens. That was Charlie Brown. And as we continue through the, the slides here, he couldn't even get his costume right. At Halloween, not only did he get a rock, the only guy to get a rock, he didn't even know where to put the eye holes. And then Thanksgiving, oh, Everybody picked on Charlie. Look at Charlie. He's got the dog bowl. Snoopy has the turkey, and Woodstock has the pie. 
And then at Christmas time, we all know that story, don't we? Bottom line, Charlie Brown, to many, is a loser. Would you agree? But I have, I have a story to share with you that I, I've never shared in public. And we at Walk like to keep it 100, right? We like to keep it transparent. So I'm going to show you the next slide. This is what a lot of us feel when it comes to Charlie Brown. Oh, wow. Lucy, how many times would Lucy say, Charlie, this time I'll hold it? A hundred times she would tell him that, and every time. And finally, he just gave up. Look at the last slide here. Ah, ah, that's a picture of Dean McQuillan. <laughs> Dean McQuillan, before I came to Christ. You know what I was? I was born a loser. I was born a loser. I never wanted to admit that. I knew something wasn't right. I didn't come to Christ until I was 22, but something just wasn't right. I was like Charlie Brown. Everything I tried didn't quite work out, right? And here I am going into a new marriage, and the beautiful grace of God came into our lives. We got saved, and we've been walking with the Lord ever since. For the last 36 years, we've been walking with the Lord. And we went from death to life. We figured out why God wanted to use us. So he showed us how to be saved and why we were saved. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I believe there's people here today that have those that you love and care for that you don't have a clue how to lead them to Christ. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And I want to take this message this morning and not only preach to those of you who may not know Christ, because if you don't know him, the Bible says this, today is the day of salvation. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God will just fill every heart in this room. And those who don't know him as Lord and Savior, like me at the age of 22, he comes into your life and saves you today. But if you're here today and you're a young Christian, which we have a lot of people that have come to know the Lord here in the last couple of years, and maybe you want to share this amazing gift called salvation to your family, your friends, those that you go to school with, those who, that are your colleagues, whoever those people might be, I want you to know today may be a day to take some notes. Today may be a day to take a picture of a screen. I try to lay it out as, as plainly as possible because this is how our church is going to grow. Our church should never grow because we're just bringing other Christians from other churches in, right? 92% of our city does not proclaim to have a relationship with God. Can you believe that? That's crazy. And what is our responsibility? Just to come to church and hear a good sermon and walk out the door and say, all right, here we go. No. God wants to equip you. God wants to equip you with his word to sit down and share with your friends, your family, your neighbor, your boss, whoever this person is that you don't like, and share Christ with him and watch him change. Watch her change. That's what happened to me. It changed my life. I went from death to life because of what we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Let's look there this morning. Father, be with me. Lord, this is your message. Father, this is your word that I stand over this morning. Lord, when I read this passage of scripture, Lord, it's you talking to us this morning. Lord, open our hearts. Open our ears. Lord, let it not be just another message that we hear, but a message that we apply. 
and not only apply if we've never been saved and we come to know you today as Lord and Savior, but to take this message and to share it with those who are lost. Lord, to build this church, not just to say that we're growing, but because people are getting saved. Lord, we pray for Las Vegas. We pray for our beautiful city. Not a city of sin, but a city of him. Lord, indwell our hearts today in a powerful way. Flood our hearts today with your comfort. Lord, with your guidance. Lord, with your knowledge, with your challenges. And Lord, most of all, the free gift of salvation. Be with me today as I read your word. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, we're a picture of this. And before I drop it on the ground, I'm going to give it to my wife. Amen. We're a picture of Charlie Brown. Matter of fact, the, the creator, Charles Schultz, says this about Charlie. Charlie Brown must be the one who suffers as he created this character. Because he's a character of the average person. Most of us are much more acquainted with losing than winning. Winning is great, but it isn't funny. Today, I want to share with you why I am a born loser. And to be as kind and as loving as I possibly can be, as I look out among the crowd here this morning, are you ready? ready. Every one of us were born a loser. Yes. The Bible says we were born into sin. We were conceived in iniquity. Look what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 51 and verse 5. The Bible says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Because of what we read in Genesis chapter 3, and the fall of Adam, because of one man, what? All have sinned. All. No one gets out of this world alive without Christ. And when you think about what this gift is that we're reading about this morning, this gift of salvation, it blows my mind. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. When I start thinking with this finite mind, where there is a beginning and an end, and I have this promise from the Lord Jesus that I will live forever and forever and forever, and when forever and forever and forever is over, I live on for eternity. And etern I mean, it blows me away. You get into your quiet spot and you start thinking about eternity and how you're going to be here forever with him and his love and in his glory. Wow. Our minds can't handle that because we see a beginning and we see an end in everything that we do. Everything. But God says we were born losers. How do I know that? Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Look what the Bible says. As it is written... None is righteous, no, not one. We usually stop right there when we take somebody down the Romans road. We usually stop just right there. Let's go to verses 11 and 12. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Are you ready for this one? Together they have become worthless. Wow. No one does good. Not even one. 
But I'm here this morning to declare good news. There's good news, right? We don't have to be Charlie Brown. We don't have to be a born loser. We can go from death this morning to eternal life. We can do that here today. And as you see right here, God doesn't want you to continue life as a loser. He has an incredible life planned for you. He has a plan for you personally to be used mightily for his honor and glory. That's what the God is that we serve. God wants to use you and me. He doesn't just want to save us and we just go through life and yeah, one day I'm going to... No, God wants to do a tremendous work like we see right here in these four walls at our new church. Amen to that. Good news is before us. Something that we can look to. We continue with why we are saved from Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to grab a hold of this passage because it's very, very important. There's three words here this morning that I want you to see. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Can you imagine if we could do something for God, how obnoxious we would be? Let me tell you what I did for God. But you know what? Every religion on the planet does that. Every religion on the planet. It's all about them. Every religion on the planet requires you to do something to have favor with God. There's only one that doesn't. You know what that is? Christianity through God's word as a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. Everybody else requires you and I to do something. And that's why he says... Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. He created you and me. That's how he knows us. He created you and me. Certain words I want you to gather. We've got to understand these. It's simple, but yet sometimes it doesn't click. You know why? Sometimes the most simplistic messages are the hardest ones to just understand. And this is a simple message this morning. I want you to understand the word grace. I want you to understand the word faith. And especially the word works. You know why? That word comes up twice today in two different contexts. Two different contexts. And I want you to completely understand what that means. So first, let's look at grace. The other evening, we were at our charge group. And what we found there, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of your own doing is a gift of God. I got to talking to my brother, Gary Jasmine. You know, he's always challenging you, right? You can't just have a conversation with a guy. He's always, you know, pushing the limits. You know, Pastor Gary, he's got all these Africans over there just going crazy for Jesus. We're talking about grace. What's grace mean? Oh, come on, Gary. Really? You know what grace means. I said grace is God's undeserved favor. Yeah, 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 I've heard that. I've heard that. But what does it really mean? Oh, my goodness. Well, Gary, where you at? Where you at? Where you at, dude? Where you at? Okay. Well, I, I took your challenge because I wanted you to have a message to preach to your Africans When you go to Africa and preach to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? All right? Okay. So here's where we're at. 
In the New Testament, grace means God's love in action. Agape love. That's grace. Towards men and women who merited the opposite of love. You know what that is? That's God's undeserved favor. We, we, we deserve none of this. What else does he, does he say about grace? Grace means God moving heaven and earth to save sinners who could not lift a finger to save themselves. I feel so sorry for those people who think they can save themselves by what they do for God. I really do. Because they're sincere. But according to God's word, are you ready for this? Write this one down. They're sincerely wrong. Yes. Sincerely wrong. God's undeserved favor moves heaven and earth. Grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely. Wow. Ask my wife. I'm not always very lovely. Guess what? Neither are you. Right? But God's undeserved favor loves us anyway. What else is grace? It shows us the peace of God. How many times am I full of anxiety because of this situation and that situation? And I forget who's in charge. He's in charge. Undeserved favor. God's grace. Grace means sending his only begotten son to descend into hell. Amen. Paid my price for sin. On the cross. So that we, the guilty ones, might be reconciled to God and received into heaven. Undeserved favor. And then we read this. Grace is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For our sake, for Dean, what's your name? Stick it in there. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, who? Jesus. We might become the righteousness of God. You know why I'm righteous here this morning? It's not anything that I do that makes me righteous, believe me. It's because of my life in him. That's why. In him. Because of who I am in him. Tony Moretta says this. We were not saved because we were smarter than others. Amen to that. Wow. Prettier than others. Or more gifted than others. Our salvation was the work of God. God showed us an astonishing grace. He put forth his son, our substitute. And he granted us the faith to believe in the Savior. This is amazing grace. That's why I love to sing that song, Jason. Amazing grace. You know why? It's amazing. To save a guy like me. Knowing where I used to be. Knowing the things that I was involved in. And God pulled me out of that muck and that mire. And he set me on the right-hand side of God. Wow. Right, right there with him. Right there with Jesus. How wonderful is that? That is so wonderful. And if you're here this morning and you've never heard preaching from God's word, let it settle in your heart this morning. I challenge you to do that. I remember the very first time I went to a church that preached the word of God. I was of one of these religions that as long as I had my St. Christopher medal, I was good. And then I went and I heard preaching for the very first time. I felt like I was a catcher behind home plate, catching 95 mile an hour fastballs. Pop, pop. I mean, that's what preaching will do to you. It will change you. It will change you. God's word will change you and I. The Bible says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Now we need to talk about faith. 
God's grace is wonderful. But the Bible tells it it has to be mixed with faith. There's those that hear the word like you're hearing it today. But the difference is those of us who have trusted have mixed it with faith. Grace and faith are like a hand and a glove. They're fitly joined together. Without both, there's no hope. God can do all the great wonders of the world and never have you benefit at all because of your unbelieving spirit. Open your heart this morning. Allow God to show you through his spirit who he really is. Faith, what is that? Faith is to hear what God says and believe it. You know, there's a saying out there that goes like this. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's all wrong. God said it. Regardless of whether I believe it, it's settled. You hear me? Regardless of whether or not I, I believe, it's settled. So God said it. He settles it. I just hope I'm the believing party. Because when I'm the believer of the party, guess what? I get to take part in that. I get to take part in that. Romans chapter 10 tells us so. Look at it. Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Have you ever been one of those like me where you just find yourself hitting a brick wall like Charlie Brown? And you wonder, what the heck is going on? I just don't have those cool God moments anymore. And I've had people call me. I've had people come to me. And we talk about, you know, I, I just don't feel that, that warm and fuzzy thing with God. The first question I ask is this. When's the last time you were in church? Wow. Well, eh, no. Mm. Four or five months ago? Oh, okay. Let me ask you another question. When's the last time that you just sat down one-on-one with God's word and read it? Hmm. No wonder. No wonder you are having no God moments in your life. Your belief factor, your faith factor is diminishing. Why? You know why it's so important for Dean McQuillan to be at this church every week? It's like a huddle in a football game. I got to hear the play. I got to hear the plan and go out and execute it and believe in that. And it builds me up. It's like when I used to go to the gym and lift heavyweight, Lothar. And I became this big brutish of a man, right, honey? No, I'm not. Anyway, I did get to a point where I, you know, felt pretty good about the gym. But I had to continue to do it daily to stay there. Guess what? It's kind of covered up now by the coat. It's kind of sunk a little bit. And that's a picture of a lot of people's faith today. They know God's grace, but their faith is not that hand and glove. It's not fitly joined together. And then they wonder why. But as, here's the cool thing about God. You know what I love about him? He's a God of second chances and a thousand chances. And if you're not where you need to be today, you can get it right right now. Right this second. And you can go to God. And you can start working out again in his church. You can start working out again in his word. And all of a sudden, you start seeing these God moments happening. And you're like, whoa. There's something about this passage. So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You've got to be in God's word for this faith to be what it needs to be. 
Faith is what makes God's grace operative in our lives. Without God's grace, we would have no hope. But even with God's grace, we have no hope unless it's mixed with faith. We know that by Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. Look what it says. Look what we read here on the screen this morning. It says, For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Some versions say it wasn't mixed with faith. And then they wonder why. They're miserable. They wonder why they just can't get along with their, with their loved ones. They wonder why they have all this chaos in their life. It's amazing grace that not only saves us, but puts us on a path that is amazing. It really is amazing. You can still have the difficulties, but when you know God is there behind you going through those difficulties, it's a whole different feeling. Amen? Whole different feeling. What is the result when we mix faith with grace? Are you ready? It is no longer about you. It's all about him. See, here's the problem with most of us. This is why we have all of this chaos in our life. We think it's all about me. And when we have an issue, we don't go to God. We go to our best buddy who has just as much chaos in his life as I have in my life. And then we bring in a third buddy who has more than both of us put together. <laughs> We're a mess after a week. Go to God. God is... God is the way. His amazing grace will change everything. It will save you. It will give you the greatest gift known to mankind, salvation. But he will guide you through life. I love this passage in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. See, that's what happens when you believe in him. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But what the Bible also says, how am I saved? Grace and faith. When those two are mixed, here's what happens. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Wow. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If you can do it on your own, his death was in vain. In vain. His death was not in vain. Again, God said it. That settles it. God said it. That settles it. You can have a life like that. So, as we bring things, narrowing it down to a conclusion here this morning, how are we saved? Here's how you're saved this morning. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. So stop bragging about what you do for God. Here's the problem. I grew up in a sporting world. I was an athlete. The older I get, the better I was. If you want to hear some of my stories, they get really good. You know what I'm talking about. We like to boast. We like to brag. But you know what we like to, you know where we also like to boast and brag? Right here. Look what I do for Pastor Hayden. Look what I do for Walk. I'm on the grind team. I'm here every morning by 8.30. I'm here until 2 o'clock. Look what I do for God. I lost my whole Saturday yesterday having to 
study for you guys. God, look at me. <laughs> I'm teasing. But you hear what I'm saying? And what happens? It causes discord within the church. Because we start a, com a competition game with that person. Instead of just being what God wants me to be. Here's what I want you to write down. God is not interested in what you do. He is interested in who you are. You hear me? He could care less what you do. Read about Martha and Mary. <laughs> Read about Martha and Mary. Mary cumbered about with much serving. And Mary complaining about, Martha complaining about Mary. And Jesus says, this is where you should be. This is where you should be. So I'm going to say this to all of us. Study out Martha and Mary and become a Mary. Become a Mary. Find yourself at the feet of Jesus. Now here's what's going to happen. And this takes us to the remaining part of our passage. When you are what God wants you to be, the doing is so cool. Because you're doing it from your heart. You're giving from your heart. I hate to talk about tithing. I hate to talk about needing volunteers. I hate talking about you need to do this for the church, you need to do that for the church. You know why? It's just uncomfortable and awkward. But I will say this. If God has your heart, he has your time, he has your talent, and when the offering plate is passed, he has your treasures. I don't have to preach on that stuff. It's all about the heart. God will always check your heart. Always. So we're saved by grace through faith. John Phillips says this. I love this. Great quote. Salvation is the gift of God. It is not the works. Every false religion has at its heart the principle that salvation must be earned, merited, purchased at a price. The sinner must do something to deserve God's favor. The gospel strikes at the root of all false religions. For it declares that salvation is God's gift. Available to sinners solely because of his grace and unmerited favor. Salvation can be obtained only by believing, but through all eternity, whoo, the nail prints in Jesus' hands will remind us of the enormous cost of God's free gift. It's all about him. It's no longer about you. It's no longer about me. It's no longer me competing with so-and-so and so-and-so at Walk Church. It's getting my heart right with God. It's saying, God, I want to be what you want me to be. And Lord, whatever you lay on my heart to do, I am ready to go. That's what God needs here at Walk Church. That's where we need to be. Why are we saved? We are saved for this reason. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So let's focus on the word works. Before salvation, works get you nowhere. They get you nowhere. No favor with God. Works after salvation is the fruit of your salvation. Yes, yes, yes. Because you've now become what God wants you to be in him. Your desires are no longer your desires. Your desires are now his desires. And you're saying, God, what would you have me to do? And Katie, bar the door. You're going to want a double portion of good works in your life because of his honor and glory. Not because of you. It's no longer about you. 
It's all about him. So remember this. God wants to do something incredible in your life. Please know that. Write that down. He wants to do something incredible in every one of our lives here this morning. And are you ready for this? He has a personal plan for you. Just like he has for me. And he wants you to do it for one reason. Not to beat your chest and say, look what I'm doing for Walk Church. And competing with that person at Walk Church. I'm doing it for his honor and for his glory. That's what it's all about. Remember that. Remember this. What you do when you come to this reality, when you understand that this is what God wants you to do, he doesn't want you to continue life as a Charlie Brown. He doesn't want you to do that anymore. He wants you to be a winner. We had an incredible study that's coming to a conclusion for our men on Wednesday night. Kingdom Man by Tony Evans and Gary Jasmine. <laughs> Man, he... He is holding us to the fire. And it has been good. And when we understand, listen to me. I'm, being, I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> I like to be funny, but I'm not very good at it. Anyway, when we get these three. <laughs> did you just snort why? All right. All right. She snorted. I heard her. All right. Let's clap for that. That was a great snort. Yes. Yes. But when we get this down and we understand that, you know what happens and we learn this from our kingdom man study? God wants you to be great. You know that? God wants you to be great. We always think that we have to be this old lowly person for God. God wants you to be great for his honor and glory. But that greatness only comes when you have a a very strong reverence and respect for this, a fear for God. Do you fear him? And we learned something from Tony Evans that I've never heard before. I'm just being honest with you. I've heard of the fact that when we, we reverence him, we respect him, but he put a twist on it that just, bam! You ready? When we are what God wants us to be, we will fear the Lord. And here's what Tony says. You will start taking him seriously. Wow. You know the problem with most of us in Christianity today? We don't take him seriously. We really don't. We don't take God seriously anymore. And I'm just going to say this. I can say it because he's not here. <laughs> it's always better to Ask for forgiveness and permission, right? <laughs> but I love our pastor. I love Pastor Hyden. And here's a man, just like me, that was born a loser. And he became a winner when he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He no longer wanted to continue life as a loser. He knew that God had something incredible for his life. He knew that God had an incredible plan, a major plan for his life. And he knew that it wasn't for him or about him. He knew it was about our Lord and Savior for his honor and glory. Look what God is doing in our pastor's life. It was, yes, let's clap for that. I love our pastor. I love 
the enthusiasm. I love the fear that he has for God. He takes him seriously in everything that he does. I've been a Christian now for 36 years. And I study people. I watch people. You know why? Because we all have flaws. We're all hypocrites. But there's some that stand out more than others. And those are the ones that I want to live for and live with for his honor and glory. And when Pastor Hyden came into my life and challenged me, I wasn't doing squat for God. I was going to church. I had already done my run with God. You've heard my testimony. I'd already done my thing. It was Hyden's turn. I'm now more fired up now than I was when we started our church back in 1992 in Dillon, Montana. I am more fired up today than I ever could have been back then. And it's because of that one man that came into our life that you and I can see that he truly fears the Lord. He takes him seriously. Can you imagine for just a minute? Look around. Look at this crowd this morning. This is amazing. Look around. Can you imagine? Yes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what this town would say about Walk Church? And not for our glory, for his glory. If we simply took God seriously, like our pastor does, thank God for Hyden Ratner and his family. Thank God for them. And I close this morning with a quote from Tony Evans. And this is what our pastor believes. This is what he practices. He understands that God is watching. He understands that God is holding him accountable. And it's okay for that. And Tony says this. Over and over, the Bible promises great blessings to the man or woman who walks in the fear of the Lord. Did you read that? Look at that. He, he does what? He promises great blessings. I see the blessings in our pastor's life. The fear of the Lord is not the same as what you feel when you watch a scary movie or ride a roller coaster when you're in a life-threatening situation, or when you're tossing and turning, worried about the uncertainties of tomorrow, when you fear the Lord, you take God seriously. You give God the appropriate respect, reverence, honor, and awe for his person and his position. It also means that you live your life understanding that because God loves you, he will hold you accountable your actions. In other words, you know that God is God and you're not. That is the basis of my story today. Yes, it's not about you. Quit complaining. Plug into God. Fear him. Take him seriously and watch what? Watch the blessings come into your life. God will bless you. Heavenly Father,